over the past four weeks, we have explored the living hope that we have because the tomb was empty on Easter. And while our Easter celebration may be a distant memory, the hope that we hold because the stone was rolled away fills us with the joy of God's love. We rejoice knowing that the world's suffering does not hold the last world and that all of creation, every corner, every person has a new identity because of God's grace. Beloved for no other reason then God's grace cuts through the labels that the world tries to put on you. And today, as we approach Ascension Day, the day when we remember Christ's ascent to the right hand of God the Father, and in that ascent, taking all of our humanness with Him, we turn to the once and for allness of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, which has saved us in our disasters, and not from them. When we look to the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, it's easy to see that Jesus was always doing something. The guy never rested. Healing, teaching, traveling, my personal favorite, turning water into wine, and repeat. Jesus went so far as to heal a man on the Sabbath, which landed him in hot water with the religious powers of the day. And the rest of the New Testament seems to be no different. Paul's letters can be read as a, as a call to action. There are things that need to be done right now, urgent things of consequence. There is indeed an urgency to pastoral ministry emails, and phone calls to return, committee meetings, more committee meetings, events to plan, visits to make, children to baptize, to baptize, worship services to plan, sermons to write and repeat. There is a busyness to the church's business, but all of our busyness distracts us from verse 18, once for all. Jesus suffered once for all. That quote is from the Revised Standard Version, which Kelly read for us. And this week I looked at a few other translations just to prove to you that my master's degrees are going to good use. And the common word among all of the translations, New Revised Standard, New International, Common English, English Standard, English standard is... Once. Jesus suffered and died once for all. Once for all sins. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We live in the center of power in the most powerful nation on the planet. Most of us in this room, color me guilty, have been programmed by the pace of life around here to always be on the lookout for the next thing to do. We fill in the gaps on our calendars with work and productivity because if we look at the expected patterns of what it means to be successful around here, we assume that busyness is in the instruction manual. Busyness then becomes an addiction that consumes us, controlling everything from our workday calendars to our children's extracurricular activities. Sure, I'll work through lunch, we tell our bosses. We tell our senior pastors, 
even though the senior pastor and the boss never once asked us or expected us to do so. Oh, we're free this Thursday evening and every other Thursday evening for the next couple months, we tell our spouses or our partners, of course we should sign the kid up for underwater basket weaving because that will give the kid a leg up. This kid's only five years old, mind you, will give you a leg up on the competition when it comes time to college applications and scholarships. Our addiction to busyness spills over into the life of the church. After all, we tell ourselves, Jesus healed, taught, traveled, turned water into wine, and repeated, so we must go and do likewise. At times, we can think that to be a follower of Jesus is to drown ourselves in the busyness of the church, creating programs and processes, forgetting that the starting point of our life as Christ's body is the once-for-allness of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. There is no amount of church programs, committee meetings, or things we can do in the church that will ever give us more of God's amazing grace. There is no urgency to do anything in the church other than to proclaim God's amazing grace. The only urgency is the urgency of grace. We just baptized Emma. Emma is, has now been baptized into new life through God's amazing grace so that she will become a faithful disciple to help her learn, grow, and navigate questions that come from a lifetime of faith. You all just made a promise to her to help her grow. So when she has a question about the Bible or God or the eschatological nature of the church, I'm sending her to you. Emma was not baptized so that we would have another kid on the rolls here at church. She wasn't baptized so we would have another kid in Sunday school. She was not baptized to boost our end-of-the-year statistics. No, Emma was baptized out of the busyness of the church, away from it. Emma, do not allow the busyness of the church to convince you that you need to do anything, anything other than enjoy God's amazing grace. Emma, enjoy God's grace. Enjoy your forgiveness. Do nothing more and nothing less. Friends, the starting point and the ending point for everything in the church is grace. And we have gone astray the moment that we trade God's grace for the busyness of religiosity. Robert Capon writes, everything religion tried and failed to do has been perfectly done once for all by Jesus in his death and resurrection. For Christians, therefore, the entire religion shop has been closed, boarded up, and forgotten. The church instead is in the gospel-proclaiming business it's not here to bring the world the bad news that God will think kindly about us only after we've uncrossed our fingers after we say the creeds, do liturgical or ethical wickets. The church is here to bring the world the good news that while we were yet sinners, God died for the ungodly. It is, in short, for no religious purpose at all, only to, only to announce the gospel of grace. 
No matter what the world tries to convince us about what our lives should be, we don't have to do anything to get to God because God has already come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. There's no amount of programming, committee meetings, or church busyness that will ever get us closer to Jesus. Jesus, contrary to the churchy and even secular expectations, saves us in our disasters, not from them. He does not reward and does not congratulate those who happen to win the self-promotion lottery. Instead, Jesus meets us in our sins and our shortcomings and offers us grace. Jesus offers us today a new business model for the church, and that model is rooted in grace, forgiveness, and freedom. Therefore, we are free to live our lives here and now without the burden of expectation and self-justification because for us, Christ is enough. You are enough because Christ is enough. That's why we can call all of this good news good. We only need to take a cursory glance at the Gospels to see how Jesus again and again comes to the last, the least, the little, the lost, and the dead, scoundrels and saints, which sooner or later will include all of us in the brokenness of health, in the shipwreck of family situations, in the loss of hope, and even in the thick of our sin. Our attention to the busyness of life in the church is one of the ways that we distract ourselves from the consequence of our sin. It's far easier and it's much more comfortable to attend to the committee meeting's needs over acknowledging the ways that we have harmed one another. But First Peter tells us that the once for all of Christ's life, death, and resurrection frees us from the burden of sin so that we can be the bearers of good news that each of us have been called to be. The busyness of life that we are so attracted to is one of the ways in which we bury our heads in the sand and attempt, or at the very least, so we don't have to come face to face with the suffering of the world or the fact that there are those whose identity are not honored by Christ's body, us, the church. But, and this is a big but, and it will not lie, because Christ has died because Christ is risen, and because Christ promises to come again, we are free from our sins and from that busyness that we use as a distraction. Or, as St. Paul put it, for a while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And God proves God's love towards us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or if we want to jump back to 1 Peter, for Christ also suffered sins once for all, righteousness for the unrighteous in order to bring you to God. Amen.